This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Inspiring Design. Today's actually a bit of a unique episode. It's our very first video episode, and this is actually done to showcase one of the most incredible speakers that I have ever come across. It's our very first episode that's also going to be available on YouTube, and as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you are into the audio version. But without further ado, I'm going to actually introduce the speaker for today, Michael Crosland. In the last five years, Michael has presented to over 600,000 people from all works of lives around the world. He has spoken to corporates from backgrounds, juvenile detention centers in Texas, September 11 victims, elite athletes from across the globe, as well as number of charities, including the Make-A-Wish Foundation, has given hope and strength to many facing life-threatening illnesses. Despite nearly a quarter of his life being spent in hospital, he has forged a highly successful career in the corporate world, represented Australia in his chosen sport and featured across all forms of media. He runs a school and an orphanage in Haiti and has been presented with the Australia Day Ambassador role for seven consecutive years. The award-winning documentary of his life by ABC's Australian Story has been viewed by over four million people. And in 2016, he released his first tell-all autobiography, which is now a bestseller across six different countries. In, in 2017, he was featured on MTV's funniest MTV's funny show, Ridiculousness in the USA, with over 3 million viewers and was one of the Queen's baton bearers in 2018 during the Commonwealth Games. Now, without further ado, let's bring on Michael Crosland. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, mate. Great to be here. Thanks very much for the, uh, the very beautiful introduction. Thank I'm very, very blessed to be here. So, let's talk. Let's talk. All right, so, obviously, We've we've seen we've seen what an incredible life you've led. Thank you. Can you summarize it in a few words? Just what has been your story leading up to the in incredible life that you've had so far? I think that uh, to have a mother that has gone to hell and back to fight for her little boy and to never ever give up is is truly remarkable. And I think that there's a beautiful saying that she spoke to me throughout my entire life, and it was everything will be okay regardless of the challenges, regardless of the pain, regardless of the suffering, her words rung so true, everything will be okay. And I think that that just brings that inner belief, that inner faith, and without a doubt, that resilience that is so important in the world that we live in today to, to, to keep pushing and, and believe in your heart that, that everything's, gonna be, everything's gonna be okay. And now to be, to be standing here alive and uh, relatively well um, with, a, with a clear vision and, and a passion in my heart to serve other people is, um, is a great blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
um, leading up to actually us sitting down here, I feel like I should share the story from a few months ago when I heard you speak in front of about 5,000 people. And I think you literally took everyone on a roller coaster ride emotionally. Just everyone was so connected and engaged with what you had to say in terms of your journey. And, and that I remember you were speaking about your mother. And I just remember looking around and see, hearing 5,000 people just you know, reach for the tissues and sniff and just because they were so engaged by it. And this is what actually led me to bring you on here and to learn more about it and share that, share that story. So I feel like your mom's a very much a cornerstone in your life. And how, how did she actually develop that mindset to build, pass on that resilience to you? Yeah. Do you, do you have any insights or what, what has she shared um, in terms of what that meant to her? from her point of view? I think the best way I'd like, I, I, I guess the best way to explain it to people, um, and I guess now being a parent, would be that you would do it 10 times over for your child. You know, having a little boy now who's suffered, um, I would move mountains to, uh, to give him peace and happiness and health and joy. And you know, I was only talking to someone the other day and, and I said that if my son needed a new heart, he would have mine tomorrow and and i guess it's just the love that you have for a child is is something that is impossible to describe and i think that for a mother to sacrifice so much of her life um, away from her three daughters away from my three sisters and and obviously my dad to give me that opportunity to uh to to fight and to lead a normal life i think is is remarkable and even reflecting back on those times when I was severely burnt from that trial drug and, and all the other kids were wrapped up in cotton wool, I guess you could say, metaphorically and, and bandages physically, but she would, she would make me go to the toilet. She would make me get out of bed and uh, make my bed of a morning and, and she would instill this inner belief that, that everything was gonna be okay. And, and I think that I see it so often now where parents aren't allowing their children to go and fall over and skin their knees and and break their arms and yeah. climb trees and you know they they're almost like this um this this world of protection as opposed to go out there and fall over and hurt yourself and and become a more resilient more more determined more uh i guess a stronger stronger child a stronger human being yeah yeah that's beautiful and i think the biggest factor let's talk talk about talking about resilience i think that word that's i think one of the most important skills in the 21st century it's been around obviously since the birth of humanity but i feel like we're at this point in education where now we need to be able to focus in on it as a skill and one of the things that the education system is a, is battling a lot is exactly what you what you i think went through in your life but without having to go through a roller coaster how do you instill those um, skill sets how do you instill that mindset into the future generations in your words what is resilience yeah great question <laughs> i think that for me resilience is the inner desire to never give up regardless of your challenges. I think Angela Duckworth said it's very similar. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm glad. Hopefully that, that's a good thing. Yeah. But for me, it's about that, yeah, that, that undying determination to never ever quit. I think it's also about 
understanding the importance that we must embrace the coolness of the shadows to truly enjoy the warmth of the sunshine and elaborating on that it's really about people that go through real tough times come out on the other side um, a far stronger a far more determined a far more passionate uh, human being and it's almost like we need to have faith that there is light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. even when we can't see any light you know i think that that's probably the best way for me to demonstrate um, and articulate what my belief is around resilience yeah that's pretty powerful actually and how do you think you can cultivate that do you think you were born with it is this something you're born with I really don't think that it's something that we can be born with. You know, I really think that it needs to be ingrained, it needs to be instilled, it needs to be believed in. I think it needs to be something that is demonstrated every single day and shown by leaders. And, and I think that it's the people around us that are our mirrors that we need to reflect greatly every single day. But, you know, it's funny when I think of who can instill resilience or teach resilience, obviously it needs to come from home. Mm -hmm. It also obviously needs to come from the education space as well. But for me, and, and I know this is pretty deep straight up, but I think a lot of people use the pain and suffering of their past as a justification behind why they choose to fail in their life. Mm -hmm. And they believe that because my father beat me badly as a child, that gives me permission to fail in life or beat my child, now I'm a father or, you know, my, my mother, whatever the challenges were, they were on drugs, they were alcoholics, and that's their justification behind why they choose to not, you know, walk the path of, of consciousness and, and joy and enlightenment. And I think that for me, it's about because of those tough days, because of those struggles, not only in hospital, but unfortunately, you know, at home as well with my family, my, my safe haven for a long time was actually when I was having chemo. Wow. Um, so I think we can't, we can't use the pain of the past to justify our poor behavior. And I think that resilience is something that we need to instill on a day-to-day -day basis from a very young age, but I don't think you're ever too old to learn it. And I think that we need to, as you said, we need to cultivate it. We, it needs to be a, a, something that's on trend. And, um, and I think it, it starts from home, but it also is, is so critical in the education world. I, I don't do much in the education space um, now it's more corporate and professional sporting arenas, but I think that we need to uh, we need to implement some sort of change to uh, to make that happen. Absolutely, and, I, and taking this off on a little bit of a tangent, when I think of resilience, I think of Rocky, mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone's Rocky, just that icon character. That's that's where I actually I learned resilience, mm -hmm. and I realized that a lot of the learnings in my in my home, I was lucky enough. I think you have incredible parents that gave me those that mindset on a day-to-day -day basis, even though you don't realize it when you're a child, mm -hmm. that mirrored those elements. And to be, I think, grateful for as a starting point of what you have at the start. Yeah. Because I feel a lot of people who are low on re resilience, or if you can quantify it, it almost goes hand in hand with how gratitude they are for what they have. Yeah. And I think it goes back to one of the things you mentioned in um, the perception of how we look at life. How do you, I think, how do you change your perception? Was there, I know that you mentioned that in moments of your life, you had to actually force to change, even with the words that your mom said. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do you do that? Like, do you have any, having gone through your amazing life, 
do you have any ideas and uh, tips and tricks even? Yeah, I think that um, for me, one of the most powerful sayings that I continue to live my life by is that we, um, there's, a, there's a great saying and it is, I complained that I didn't get a new pair of shoes until I saw a boy that had no feet. And I think that when we really understand that our life could be so much worse than what it currently is, I think that's when we start to be grateful. It's uh, when we start to live a life filled with kindness. And for me, I really try and focus on the three Ps. Um, I know in the corporate world, the three Ps that destroy us are power, privileges and possessions. But the three Ps that harness kindness, that um, that harness resilience, that harness determination, that harness gratitude, that allows us to become, in my opinion, the best versions of ourselves is uh, patience, Mm -hmm. persistence, and perspective. And I think that as a parent, as a teacher, as a philosopher, as an entrepreneur, as as a leader, as a human being, I think that if we can really master those three things, um, we can be really powerful, authentic, beautiful human beings. And, And if we go through them, you know, patience, we get tested every day with our patience. And if we can get tested with patience and demonstrate perspective in the same mindset or the same thought process yep. it's remarkable how we can overcome challenges and and so often we we hear of people complaining because uh, the flights are delayed for example the storms of but 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 at the end of the day you need to remember that you're flying in a giant cigar at six or seven hundred kilometers an hour across this earth that's revolving and then somehow gravity doesn't suck you down and crash and you land and you're ticked off that you're delayed. You know, the other day I was on a plane and there was a gentleman in front of me and he was complaining to the guy next to him mm-hmm. and he was saying that um, his, his captain is driving his boat to the Great Barrier Reef and he's going to fly up there with his family and spend two weeks up there. Yeah. But he was ticked off because the weather forecast said it was going to be very, very hot. And there's people in my orphanage in Haiti that are desperately needing food. There's people in Sri Lanka and India that are living on railways mm. trying to survive. Mm. And I think that, you know, in, in, a, in a first world sense, if we can, if we can instill that patience, um, that persistence in just being determined to get up every time life throws you a, a curveball or knocks you down, to just keep fighting, keep striving, keep pushing through. And then that last one, to just have perspective in our hearts every single day. Um, you know, in, in my belief, it's, it's truly remarkable how our mindset can shift. And I think that when we shift our mindset, that's when we start to get greater clarity and understanding what's truly important. That's when we become the best version of ourselves. And that's when we can start to not just leave a legacy, but start to live into my legacy and, and our legacies, which I think is, is really the key. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think while you were talking, I think one of the things that went on in my head, and it was almost another question is persistence discipline or is it a form of discipline because i think i completely agree with those three p's if we can instill those i'm trying to come up with a workable model that could almost be given to the educators of today to mold the future generation patience yes definitely but is what how do you instill persistence mm. that's why i almost in my mind i i wanted to ask you is persistence discipline yeah, discipline, structure, and shifting your mindset. Yep. No question. And, and I think that that allows me to elaborate a little bit more on, and I'm sure it's probably a question, but how, how do you shift one's mindset mm-hmm. to allow them to be patient, yep. 
to be persistent, to be determined, uh, to constantly have perspective in their minds and in their hearts. And for me, it's around activation, meditation and appreciation. And, and I think that they are the three keys that can transform people's mindsets and allow them to become the best version of themselves. And activation is around exercise. Yep. It's about trying to get the endorphins flowing, mm-hmm. which are scientifically proven will have a huge impact on your overall health, Absolutely. your overall mindset, and then you start to make the right choices, the right decisions, and you become very patient and very persistent at what you want to achieve in your life. The second one for me is around meditation, um, and that's been a key uh, transformation in my life massively and the analogy that i like to use around meditation is a mobile phone we switch it off of a nighttime some of us switch it off of a nighttime others play on it until god knows what time i wake up and turn it and play with it of a morning but we turn it off of a nighttime but if we turn the phone off of a nighttime when we turn it back on in the morning it has it recharged it hasn't mm-hmm. and and that's what we think is going to happen to us mm-hmm. We think by turning off of a nighttime and having eight hours sleep, that's going to recharge our batteries. But in my opinion, it doesn't. It just allows us to continue to exist and survive. But I think in the world we live in now, we want to thrive. We don't want to survive. So I think it's really important uh, in, in, in a mindset space, we understand what it is that recharges our batteries. And for me, it's around plugging in and for me plugging in is meditation because it allows me to just get really at peace with my mind and and at my with my soul and and i i go through a a a three question phase which really has a huge impact and and i think that you know for a long time i thought people that meditated were hippies (laughs) that grew giant beards that burnt incense that wore cotton but but now you know traveling around the world you know working with some of the highest paid pro athletes some of the biggest name CEOs uh, from the top to the bottom, there's one thing they have in common is that they all meditate. And for me, it's been huge. And then the last one, so it's activation, meditation and appreciation. That thing about appreciation, that gratitude stuff is, mm. is huge. If we on a daily basis can document down, written whatever it is in a text form or, or pen to paper, uh, the three things that we're truly grateful for, the amount of endorphins that that gives us that shifts our mindset which, which I think it releases um, dopamine. So it makes us feel good about ourselves. It's like a drug inside of ourselves that actually says, you know what, my life is not as bad as what I think it is. Absolutely. And the more that we can get that stuff flowing in ourselves, you know, I, I, one of my things today, I, I was on 178 flights last year and most of them were with Qantas. So today I was really grateful and I'll write it down in my gratitude journal tonight. I'm really grateful for the first time out of 178 flights, Qantas was actually on time today. Amazing, right? <laughs> Yeah, we love Qantas, absolutely. but geez, for the first time, they were on time. And, and just the little things like that that can really instill this joy and this, I don't know, this, this greater optimistic outlook on life that, that helps us mm. with resilience. It helps us being patient and persistent in achieving what we want to achieve in life. Yeah. I think that um, given my background as a Buddhist, uh, meditation is actually quite normal. Yeah. And it's it's obviously filtering into the western society i think relatively new in the last couple of decades i would even say and it's interesting that you framed meditation as a plugging in whereas a lot of people look at it as switching off or plug you know pulling the plug on it and just doing nothing which in fact i think you can look at it in both ways you're the very first person that's ever said that as plugging in which is i think more powerful in that in that methodology and it's really interesting. There's this uh, quite a famous monk called Ajahn Brahm. 
um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that name, is um, he has this story where this builder, he's working so hard to build his own home brick by brick and he's laying it as best as he possibly could and he goes and actually finishes his whole house and in the end he's inviting people to show off what he's done, what he's built with his own hands, his own sweat and, sweat and blood and all he can focus on are these two bad bricks that are slightly misaligned, that are millimeters off whereas there are a thousand other bricks that are perfectly laid but all he can see are those two, two, two bricks mm -hmm. and most of the time I think this is a this is a common factor that I see with a lot of my students where they constantly look at the negatives of their project or what they've done or what's wrong with their life you know they have the iPhone X not the XR and you know those kinds of things and I find that it's that it is that shifting perception and that mindset and being able to look at the thousand other bricks or 998 other bricks that gets those endorphins flowing it gets the dopamine flowing that's that's brilliant I love that and in terms of then what about the last P how do you cultivate that one the perspective yes yeah for me I really think it's a visual aid Okay. I really think it's visual. I think that to, to give people the opportunity to experience the world pain and suffering is a game changer. For me, it was a game changer. Mm -hmm. You know, to go over to Haiti to rebuild an orphanage and a school, 270 kids in my school, 40 plus children in my orphanage, uh, to realize and experience what true hardship, true suffering. You know, we met a little boy. Um, he was living on the streets. He was eating food out of garbage bins. Uh, we, we grabbed him and put him into our orphanage. And I said to him one day, I said, what's the best part about living in the orphanage? He said, oh, the best part is that I get a bowl of rice guaranteed every second day. Wow. He said, when I lived on the streets, the only food I would get would be out of garbage bins. And I said, well, if that's the best thing is that you get a bowl of rice every other day, what's the worst thing? He said, the worst thing is have a night time because my parents were two of the 316,000 people that died in the earthquake. He said, and where I sleep of a night time, uh, when it rains, I get soaking wet because the tarp above my bed leaks. He said, but it doesn't really matter whether it rains or not, I still get soaking wet because I share a bed with two little boys and both of them still pee their pants. And to understand that there's a powerful saying that there are people in this world that would do anything to have your bad day. And I think the more that we can understand that, the more that we can appreciate it, the more that we can educate and inspire the youth of today to understand that their problems aren't real third world issues that are going on in the world. You know, tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. And I think that's why it's so important that we, that we begin to understand that the quality of one's life is not dictated nor is it determined by the amount of days that we live on this earth, but it's about what we fit into those days mm -hmm. that allows us to live a remarkable life. It's not about how big our house is, it's about how big our heart is, it's about getting out of bed and serving other people every day that I think is truly, truly remarkable and so, so important. And I think that the more that we can grasp it, the more that we can understand it. You know, we, we fast forward now to that same boy that was eating food out of a garbage bin. 2018, graduated high school, got a full ride scholarship to Brazil to study engineering. He's done one year of studies in, in Brazil and he's fallen into the golden keys category, which means that he's in the top 10% of university students from around the world. He's one of the smartest kids on the planet Yet he has the perfect excuse, the perfect justification behind why he cannot do 
what life and the world has set out for him to do because he's got pain in the past. But yet he's used the pain of the past, not as the justification behind why he's going to fail, but he's used it as the motivation to succeed. Absolutely. That's, I think having that visual aid there, there's a number of different examples that flow through my own head. It's uh, a lot of my friends that, you know, the early 20s, the mid 20s, you go through in a, in a first world country like Australia, because we are blessed, one of the biggest problems that the youth or the millennials have right now is becoming a first homeowner. And, you know, to be able to even say that, I think you're, you're very lucky and you're in that very small blessed percentage of the world's population. But I remember having going through that process as a early 20s um, individual, and I got sick because of the stress that was caused simply by the legal documents. And until that, exactly what you said, where I was dropping off one of my trainers to the train station and he had, um, I think, a three-year-old at the time and then his second one was due in two months or three months' time. And I asked him how his house building was going because uh, at the time he was building a house and he was set to be completed in January. And... He said his lease runs out in January, but now the builders told him that it's actually going to be in the middle of the year. So for five months' time, he's, going to be, he's got a newborn coming, and he's homeless because there's no renting place, no home to live, and he's not, he doesn't have his parents here to fall back on. And the worst thing I was worried about are some legal documents. Those were real problems, and all of a sudden, that immediate thing of, it just vanished in my head. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. So how do you think that the leaders of tomorrow or the future innovators, how do they get that visual aid constantly? I feel like travel might be a good one, but how do you, in your opinion, are there ways to go seeking that so that you expose yourself more and more? I feel like if you watch it on Facebook, it doesn't have the same impact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that there are many people in the world that can't travel. Yeah, They're not in a financial position to be able to do that Absolutely. sort of stuff. So there, there is, there is that element of not being able to do that. But you know, a great story, I think, and I'm you know, mindful of your time and the time that we've got today. But I, I was recently in New Zealand and I was speaking and after my event, I went down the street to get some dinner and there was a homeless lady on the, on the sidewalk and she wasn't begging for money. She was just clearly homeless. And I just felt in my heart that I wanted to help. So I went up to her and I said, um, you know, I'm in a really blessed position. I'll give you whatever you need, whether it's a night in a hotel, a hot shower, you know, a new sleeping bag, something, a food, anything. Just let me know yeah. what you want and I will be able to do it for you tonight. And she said, uh, that's very kind of you, but the one thing that I want more than anything in the world is someone to talk to. Wow. She, didn't, she didn't want any materialistic help, yeah. no financial support. She just wanted someone to actually listen. And I think that there are so many ways in this world that we live in where we can serve other people that cost us nothing. And I think that the more that we can identify it, the more that we can harness it, the more that we can focus on it, the more that we can educate and inspire the youth of our tomorrows to understand that there are things in this world that are real and people going through real problems and real heartache and real pain and real suffering and give them an opportunity to be exposed to that in their own backyard. The amount of times where my wife and I go and feed the homeless and you wouldn't even know where we live, there is actually people that are homeless. Mm -hmm. 
to be able to go and donate your time to run a barbecue, to to simply go and help at the Ronald McDonald House or a charity where you can just make somebody lunch or dinner or give them an ear, someone to you know lend a shoulder to. You know, I think that we aren't all in a position where we can get on a plane and fly the other side of the world and experience re real f third world problems, mm -hmm. but we are all in a position where we can inspire and educate people to understand that their problems aren't what they're all cracked out to be. And I think that that injects perspective into your heart and into your soul and a constant reminder of it is something that is really, really important. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, before we leave, do you have any advice for, say, the listeners that are educators and at, at the same time students who are going through because there's a lot of students at that tertiary level between 15 to 25 year olds that listen to my podcast quite a lot along with teachers do you have any advice for those listeners in developing their resilience at the same time if you're an educator how to harness that into the next generation yeah it's a very <laughs> open-ended question it is and it could go forever but i think um a really great saying that I love is that a man went and spoke to the Dalai Lama and he said, I want happiness. And the Dalai Lama responded, I is ego, want is desire, and now all you have left is happiness. I think that when we remove ego, when we remove desire and we just focus on happiness, it's remarkable how our mindset shifts and how much joy we bring to our souls. And for me, I think that life is about getting out of bed and just having a passion to inspire and serve other people. And I love that saying, we must give without remembering and receive without forgetting. In an education space, you know, it's a very thankless job, I don't doubt. Absolutely. You don't understand the impact that you can have with people. And if you are in this space to try and get a pat on the back, then it's the wrong world for you, I'm sure you would agree. It's about getting out of bed, just simply wanting to make a positive impact and being a role model and a shining light for those that desperately need you. And I think that they have a huge, huge mountain to climb. And there's lots and lots of challenges and roadblocks and curveballs and pain that they're going to go through to get to that space mm. and that spot in life where they can make that impact. But I think that even from a leadership point of view and from, a, from an educator's point of view, if you can demonstrate those three Ps as well, you know, we need to demonstrate patience. You know, me being a new father, I need to demonstrate that regularly with my little boy and being patient and being persistent and trying to have perspective into our hearts I think that it's so important and I'm sure that reflecting back on the video that everyone would have watched at the beginning of this podcast you know it is not the adversity in our life that defines us it's how we deal with it and we all go through pain and we all have a story to tell and I think that the more that we can understand that we are as young as we have ever been and we are as young uh, we are as young as we will ever be and as old as we have ever been Every day is a, is a bonus, is a privilege, is a blessing, is an opportunity. And I think that the more that we can harness it and grab it with both hands, with, with joy and kindness into our hearts, I think that is when we truly become the best version of ourselves. And I think that if we can all demonstrate gratitude, kindness and, and resilience on a day-to-day -day basis, I assure you this world would be a far greater place than what it is right now. It leads me to a great story about a, a dying man and he was in his, on his hospital bed and his uh, son came in to say goodbye and he said, son, before I die, I want you to have this watch. But before you take the watch, I want you to understand how much it's worth. He said, I want you to take this watch to the watchmakers 
the jewelry shop and I want you to identify and, and ask them how much this watch is worth. So he goes to the jewelry store, he comes back and he says, you know, dad, they said it was a really old watch and um, they offered me about $50 for it. He said, okay, son, that's fine. Now I want you to go to the bakery and I want you to ask the bakers how much they'd give you for my watch. So he takes it to the bakery and he comes back and he says, Dad, the bakery said it was just a really old watch. And I, uh, he said he would only give me a loaf of bread, but he didn't even want the watch. And he said, all right, son, now I want you to take it to the museum. And then I want you to bring it back. So he takes it to the museum and he comes back and he says, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. He said, what's that, son? He said, Dad, the museum owner offered me a million dollars for your watch. Wow. He said it was a timeless piece, a classic. And he said, son, that's the lesson I want to leave with you before I die. I want you to understand that you need to be surrounded by people that understand your true worth and your true value. Otherwise, you will never amount to being the best version of yourself. And I think that is so powerful and so true that if we hang around with scumbags, then sadly, we will turn into one. Absolutely. If we hang around with people that are optimistic, that are resilient, that have perspective and determination in their heart, that have a kindness outlook on life, I think that that, that stuff echoes through our life and we start to live our life on that on that plane and that vision and that outlook and it reminds me of a great story about uh, a, a farmer who's on his porch and he sees an eagle lay two eggs and uh, he climbs up the tree and he grabs one of the eggs and he climbs back down he sticks it in a chook pen chook sits on one eagle egg eagle sits on the other eagle egg until eventually they both hatch mm -hmm. and one day the little eagle tries to fly and it gets maybe three or four feet in the air comes crashing back down now it's six feet in the air and all it needs to do is fly forward mm -hmm. and the the chook says to the eagle what the heck do you think you're doing you can't fly you're never going to fly <laughs> yeah. you're going to enjoy the filth and the squall that you've been brought up in and that eagle never tries to fly again because it listens to the negativity and the hatred that surrounds him and there's a great saying that uh, no one in your life is ever going to tell you what you can do they'll only ever tell you what you can't do mm. and that eagle chose to listen but the eagle in the tree it tries to fly and it comes up and out and up and down and up and down and every day it continues to fail until one day the mother eagle says every time you fail you're just getting one step closer to succeeding so continue to fail until eventually the mother eagle gives the baby eagle a little nudge comes flying down towards the ground just before it hits the ground it sticks its wings out and it flies like the most amazing bird that it is. And one day it flies over the chook pen and the eagle looks up into the sky and sees the eagle and says, wow, what is that? Mm. And the chook says, that's an eagle. It's the most powerful bird on the planet. It's the king and the queen of all birds. And the eagle says to the chook, the eagle says, if only I was born an eagle, how my life would be so different. Wow. That eagle was born an eagle and that eagle can fly. And the moral to that story is it does not matter how tough painful your life and your past has been you are the only person that is truly in control of your future and your destiny so you can take on the tools and the principles and and be the same person you are and, and surround yourself with chooks or you can begin to believe in yourself surround yourself with eagles and take your life to new heights absolutely and i think it's very valuable for the fact that we fulfill the own self-image we have. Mm -hmm. So if we believe we're a shook, we're going to always be a shook and yeah. it's coming from our surroundings. That's beautiful. I love that yeah. story. I talk a lot in my training programs about self-belief mm -hmm. and replacing fear with faith. And there's a great story about a, a bird who's on, the tree, on a branch mm -hmm. and the bird is never fearful of the branch breaking. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that is is because it's not relying on the strength of the branch but in its own ability to fly. Yeah.
And I think that that's so important for all of us. We need to have the belief in ourselves that we can fly, that we can, you know, take our life to new heights, that we can get through the pain and the suffering that this world might throw at us because we can and everything will be okay when we begin to believe. That's it for today, folks. You've heard it here first. How can the people get in touch with you, Michael? I'm on, uh, I'm on everything. I'm on uh, Instagram, <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Michael Crossan is my name. Yep. Um, and just, just so grateful to, uh, to hopefully be able to have a positive impact. And that's my goal every day, just to be able to touch one person's life every day. Absolutely. And what about your book? Where can people buy your book as well? My book, uh, it's called Kids Don't Get Cancer. It's on my website. Um, every dollar from uh, that book uh, goes directly to charity. We've been able to donate more than $300,000 to charity over the last few years from selling that book. Um, yes, it's a, a challenging name, Kids Don't Get Cancer. When I was diagnosed, um, my mum said to the doctor, no, that can't be right, kids don't get cancer. Mum told dad, dad said the same thing, so on and so forth. And then uh, when I was finally allowed to go home, my mum said, uh, son, one day when you go into this world and you can make an impact, yeah. um, you're going to write a book and it's going to be called Kids Don't Get Cancer. And wow. 30 years later, I got to write the book and now um, hopefully it's inspiring some people around the world. Check it out, michaelcrosland.com and f- check out the rest of the show notes um, for this episode here. Just scroll below to rashansenanaika.com forward slash podcast and please reach out to Michael. Michael, thank you so much. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.